Amen. I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter 5 tonight, and then I'll be going to Hebrews chapter 10 if you want to get a head start on um, the next one. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, Peter is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he writes to the church and says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, I want you to notice something here, folks. This is exactly the opposite of what most of the modern-day church teaches about God and his relationship with his children. Most people have the idea that God's in the humbling business, that God's purpose is to humble us. But I want you to notice that it says that we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. For what purpose? So that God can exalt us in due time. Thank God he has a time set. God has a time set for certain things. He has a time set for us. He has a time set for his plan to unfold in our lives. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. I want you to notice that casting your care on the Lord is a means and a manner of humbling yourself to God. Casting your care over on him. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Notice it does not say the devil is a roaring lion. It says he's like one. Well, what's like a roaring lion? How could the devil be like a roaring lion? It makes a lot of noise. It doesn't talk about the sharp teeth or the fangs of the lion. It talks about the sound of the lion. Your your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I want you to notice that he's looking... For someone that he may devour. He doesn't decide whether he devours you and me. He doesn't make that call. He's looking for whom he may devour. May is a word that implies permission or refers to permission. Literally, the devil is looking for somebody that will be afraid of the noise that he's making so that he can devour them. But the instruction the Holy Ghost gives us He tells us what the devil is looking for. He tells us how the devil operates. But then he gives us instruction on what to do. Whom, talking about the devil, resist steadfast in the faith. A better translation would be steadfast in your faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I want you to notice what he's saying. He's saying the devil will come. He'll make a lot of noise. He wants to make everything look like you're in his clutches and he's about to devour you. But you're the one that makes the call. You're the one that makes the decision. Will he devour you or will he not devour you? And it all has to come down to one thing, and that is resisting steadfast in your faith. Now back up to verse 6. If he's talking about resisting steadfast in your faith, then humbling yourself to the mighty hand of God has to be humbling yourself to the word. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's no way in the world that you could resist steadfast in the faith as the Holy, or steadfast in your faith as the Holy Ghost is directing us to do without humbling yourself to what the word says about the devil, about God, and about you. So we could change verse 6 without changing the meaning. We could insert into verse 6, conform or accept what the word of God says about your situation so that God may exalt you in due time. How's he going to do that? By you standing on the word. That's the only way God promotion system is set up is to honor his word. So he tells us, the Holy Ghost tells us to resist steadfast in the faith. Now back up with me to Hebrews chapter 10. 
couple of verses I want you to see here too. Verse 23, I believe Paul is the author, but whoever it is that writes this down is directed by the Holy Ghost. It's inspired by the Holy Ghost. So we could say the Holy Ghost is saying to us, to the author of the book of Hebrews, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithfully promised. Now, isn't that the same thing as saying concerning the devil whom resists steadfast in the faith? Isn't that the same thing as holding the past the profession of our faith? Well, it would have to be. So if we hold fast the profession of our faith, the Holy Ghost certainly knows what he inspired Peter to write to the church that we just read in verse uh, 5 of the first letter that Peter wrote to us. Since the Holy Ghost knows God's system, he knows that God's plan is to exalt you. He knows God's plan is to honor his word to exalt you and me at the, in due time, in due course after resisting steadfast in the faith, then he can't be talking about something else or some different manner when he writes to the Hebrews. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Skip down with me to verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Again, it's talking about the same thing, using different terminology, different words to describe it, but he's talking about the same thing. Now, I want you to notice if you'll compare these three passages of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5 that we read, verses 6 through uh, 8, I guess it was, here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and then verse 35 and 36. I want you to notice that there's only one variable in anything related to this instruction that we're given to overcome. Each case... If we do what First Peter chapter 5 tells us to do, we'll overcome. We'll resist steadfast in our faith and we'll receive the promise. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35, cast not away your confidence therefore. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise. In each of those cases, in each of those passages of Scripture, there is only one variable, and that's you. There is absolutely no question about whether God will honor his word. None whatsoever. He's faithful at promised. He'll exalt you in due time. The trying of your faith works patience. James tells us that when patience has her perfect work, you'll be perfect and entire. In other words, receive the promise that the word has made to you. The only variable in any of this is whether we will hold fast, whether we will be steadfast. You know, there's um, something that the Lord brought to my attention today when I was thinking about and preparing for this service. Um, Jesus ministered healing in a variety of ways. There are some people, some cases that he came upon people where he healed the, the, um, uh, their sickness and disease by his word. There is one case in John chapter 9 where he spit on the ground and made a little mud pack on the, uh, the blind man's eyes to put on the blind man's eyes, told him to go wash off in the pool of Siloam, and he came again seeing. The ten lepers, he told them to go present themselves to the high priest, and they were healed as they went. You've got another case where Jesus finds a man that was um, uh, deaf and dumb. He puts his fingers in his ears and spits and touches his tongue, and he was healed. The go-to method seems to be 
if the Holy Ghost did direct him in some other way, the, the, uh, the, common, the most common method that Jesus did minister healing was laying hands on people. And then, of course, you've got the, uh, the story of the woman with tissue of blood in Mark chapter 5, that Jesus provided healing power to her but didn't even know what was going on until after she told him the story. She was healed by her own actions, reaching out in faith and touching his garment. Well, which one of those cases was more in line with the way God wanted it to be? Could you pick one over another? I don't see how. But there were different methods that brought about the same end result, which was the healing for the physical body. Maybe different kinds of healing or healing for different parts of the body, but nevertheless healing for the physical body. I think a lot of times, or at least sometimes, I think we hear stories from other people or hear about other people's experience or testimony or whatever it is, and we get in our mind that this is the way it's going to be. And there's one thing I found. I, I'm, I'm not talking specifically in healing. But um, I found that in, well, I learned it in the area of finances. In the area of finances, I found that whatever I thought was going to be God's way of meeting my needs turned out to be exactly opposite of what happened. There were, uh, there were times where I would not consciously, not trying to think something up, but something would come to my mind, an imagination would come to my mind about God meeting my need in some way, and it was always some spectacular way. It was always something that came out of the blue that would be unexpected. And as soon as I thought that, I, thought, I, I learned to think, well, it'll be some other way besides that now. And there were, there were occasions, situations, where I would purposely try not to think how God might do it. Because I knew just as soon as I thought of a way that God could do it, he wouldn't do it that way. I remember a story that uh, John Lake told when he was ministering in South Africa. Uh, Conditions at the time that he was there in uh, the early part of the uh, 1900s were really primitive. And so it would take a long time, sometimes several days, sometimes up to a week, to go over trails and donkey paths and all kinds of things to get to the places where he was going to minister to people. And so he'd be away from home for long periods of time. And uh, one time he got word wherever he was that his son was at the point of death. And so he left where he was and it took him three or four days traveling on every means of transportation he could get a hold of and um, walking the rest of the way and that kind of thing. It took him three or four days to get back. And when he did, he walked into the little hospital room set up that they had. And he walked in and he said, as soon as I got into the room, he said, the glory of God came into that place. He said, I simply stood there. And with the anointing, the presence of God in that room, he commanded his son to be well. And he was instantly healed and rose up from a situation that the doctor said nothing could be done. I don't know what the condition was or what he had contracted or whatever but they said there was nothing they could do and then he was wound up being instantly healed he said it was a matter it took him four days to get home and it was a matter of 30 or 40 seconds for the healing power of god to raise up his son that sounds great doesn't it i vote that way there was another time where he was away from home and he got word that his son was sick i think this was a different child But this son was at the point of death. And he got there, however long it took for him to get there, he got there. 
And he said, I walked into the room. I remember the story or the situation where his other son had been healed. He said, I was hoping for the glory of God to fill the room. He said, I walked into the coldest, most spiritually dead place in that room that I've ever been in in my life. He said, I didn't say a word. I didn't pronounce healing or health over him. He said, I pulled up a chair next to my son's bed. And I said simply, okay, Mr. Devil, take him if you can. He said, he said that he sat up with his son for three days and nights. Never said a word. Never confessed anything over his son. Never prayed. Never talked to God about it. What's to talk to God about? He knows God's the healer and the devil is the one that makes people sick. So he knew what, who his enemy was. He was prepared spiritually for the battle through his knowledge of the word. He said, after three days and nights of sitting up with my son, he rose up well off the deathbed. Which way is better? Which way was God? Well, the end result in both cases was miraculous. They both had to be God. I think a lot of times we try to decide for God how it's supposed to be. When really what it comes down to is very simply this. One definition, you look in Webster's Dictionary, one definition of the, of the word faith is unquestioning trust. Unquestioning trust. When you get to the point where you're not asking any more questions, you simply accept what the word says. That's where your answer is. The devil only has so much that he can use. And after a while, you deal with the questions that he brings, the doubts that he tries to throw to us. You deal with those doubts and answer them according to the word. And all he can do from that point is repeat. But that's the point where faith really takes hold. That's the point where I think we become rooted and grounded in faith. Up until then, it seems to be just a matter of confessing the word to put it into our hearts. See, the Bible talks about confession in a couple of different ways. It talks about planting the seed of God's word in your heart by speaking it. Remember in Joshua 1.8, God told Joshua, who's taking over as the leader of the children of Israel for Moses, he said, this, word, this book of the law, meaning the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, which means you have to keep speaking it, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. The definition of the word meditate God gave to Joshua is to say it over and over and over. Never let it stop coming out of your mouth. Well, that has a specific purpose. And that is, just as Jesus said in Mark chapter 5, or Mark chapter 4, excuse me, when he was talking about the parable of the sower sowing the word, he said everything about the kingdom of God is as a, a man planting a seed into the ground. Well, the ground he's talking about is your heart, your spirit. You plant the seed by speaking. He said everything about the kingdom of God, which means everything that belongs to us in the kingdom of God works by speaking God's word into your own heart. But faith is not just a means of speaking the word into your own heart. That's really the preparation for faith. Faith is to believe in your heart and speak it with your mouth. So for most people, I know we're all at different places and different stages of spiritual growth and development, but for most people, the confession that we hear them make, which seems to us to be them confessing the answer, they're healing, for example. Most of those confessions 
are just the process whereby somebody is putting the seed into their own heart. Now, very few of us are honest enough with ourselves to admit that because we want to get past the preparation stage to the getting the answer stage. But until the word takes root in your heart, then it doesn't come out of your heart through your mouth with any power and it won't produce any results. That's why it seems in, in some cases, not in every case, I'm sure, but it seems in some cases that people make confessions after confessions after confessions after confessions. And one of the questions the devil will bring to you is, why hasn't it happened yet? You've been speaking the word. You've been saying it for a long time. Why hasn't it happened yet? Well, the answer can be, this might not always be the answer, but the answer can be pretty simple. And that is because it's not really rooted in my heart yet. Now, that's not a, um, a criticism. And that's not something that we should shy away from. That's not something we should feel embarrassed or ashamed of. It just takes a while for the word to get grounded in your heart. That's all there is to it. Unfortunately, many of us wait too late or later in the game, maybe we should say, to start putting it in our hearts. And the thing that causes us to do it anyway is some condition or some sickness that attacks us or some situation or circumstance or whatever it is that causes us to have to act on the word or begin to act on the word. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus spoke the word of God like when he cursed the fig tree. Jesus spoke one time to the tree and that was it. Why did it work for him so well and so easily? Because he was the word made flesh. His heart, his spirit was the word of God. There's no confessing the word as a seed to get it in his heart. But there is for us. But the real answer, the real power the thing that works every time is that after we get the word of God planted in our hearts, when we speak it out of our mouths, that always works. Always. Always. And that's one of the questions you have to deal with. That's one of the questions you have to deal with. One of the questions is, why is it taking so long or how long is it going to take? And to be honest with you folks, that's the only question that anybody's ever really asked me about healing. Everything else is a byproduct or an offshoot of that or something. But the issue is always, the issue for the flesh is always time. Always. There's only one thing that can determine or will determine whether or not we will be steadfast in the faith, whether or not we will hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. It's the only thing that determines how the variable in the faith equation, which is you and which is me, is going to turn out. Only one. And that is, what will you do when it looks like it's not working? That's it. See, if you knew faith would work if you held steadfast in faith for a day or even a week, you'd be willing to do that. Everybody would be willing to do that. Everybody would be willing to, to determine within themselves that they would not speak anything contrary to what God's word says concerning their healing. And after that set period of time, whether it's a day or a week or whatever it is, bingo, we'd receive our healing and everything would be great. But sometimes we go into it thinking, well, this is going to take me a week. Might take me two weeks. But then when a month rolls around, then what are we going to do? Then when two months roll around, what are we going to do? One of the greatest discouragers in your stand of faith is when it goes longer than you think that it should. But that's really the point where you determine and show, not to God. He knows what's in there already. 
But that's the point where we prove to the devil how much of what we say we, really, we believe that we really do believe. When it looks like it's gone too far, when it looks like it's not working because it's gone too far, that's when we determine what we're made of. And remember, you're the only variable there is. God always keeps his word. But as we said with Jesus, sometimes his word is kept in different ways. Sometimes there are instant healings. F.F. Bosworth, who was a great healing minister in days gone by, said something that, uh, well, it's hard to make. How do I say this? He said something that's hard to take. He said this. He said most healings these that occurred in his ministry that he had uh, information about, and there were hundreds of thousands of reports, hundreds of thousands of doctor reports of people that had been healed, not because he ministered healing. He really didn't minister healing very much, but he taught on healing during a time when nobody else did, and people would write in uh, uh, to his radio program and and the campaigns that it have where there'd be 50,000 people gathered in certain places and stuff like that. He said of all the the, um, hundreds of thousands of testimonies that he received, he said most healings that are lost, not all of them are, but he said most healings that are lost are lost from counterattacks. He said for that reason, our instant healings are often a curse to us rather than a blessing. He said because if somebody received their faith instantly or received their healing instantly, then they're not prepared for the counterattack. And the devil always comes with a counterattack. He said, but those that received it on their own faith over a period of time where they had to stand in faith and confess the word and hold fast the profession of their faith, he said, they're the ones that are always prepared for the counterattack. They're the ones that hardly ever lose their healing because they were ready. They knew what it took to get it the first time. They've learned how to keep it. Well, that's just exactly the opposite of the way we want it to go, isn't it? I want instant results, don't you? I want instant results for me when I believe in God, and I want instant results when I'm praying for you. That's the way the natural man looks at it, isn't it? But the greatest thing that there is is to become so rooted and grounded in the love of God and the Word of God and, and what the Word says about healing, to become so rooted and so grounded that time becomes a non issue. And I think that has a lot to do with us coming to the place of unquestioning trust. When you get to the place where there aren't any more questions to answer, it's just you and God. That's like Lake sitting down in in the son's room when it felt cold and dead and spiritually dead. He said it felt like God was a million miles away. And he simply said under his breath, Okay, Mr. Devil, take him if you can. Which faith do you think God is the most pleased with? The one that experiences the instant results? Where the glory of God comes down on the room like with his first son, those at the point of death? Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful thing when God manifests himself in ways like that. It's a wonderful thing when we can experience it. And who in here would say that they don't love the presence of God? But so often what we love about the presence of God is the feeling that it gives us. So often what we enjoy and point to about the presence of God 
is the way that it affects our flesh, our feelings of the presence of God. But what about when we don't feel the presence of God? Is the word any different then? What are we going to do in places where it seems cold and dead? What are we going to do when it seems like it's too late? What are we going to do in those places where it seems like there's no hope and that God hasn't heard our prayer? What are we going to do in those places? Those are the places, folks, where we grit our teeth, set our jaw, and say, take it from me if you can, Mr. Devil. How much more pleased could God be than somebody that takes that position? Are you out there? I know this isn't the things that we want to hear all necessarily. But I believe this is an important part, an important side of healing. I know it's something I've had to deal with. I know the devil always tells me, reminds me of how long something's been. He'll try to point out what other people must think. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to handle it? And folks, I'm, I'm at the place where I just don't have any more questions. I just know God's word's true. If the variable is me, there is no variable. Because I'm not going to turn back. And I don't want you to turn back either. If something happened were to happen and I was to fail, that doesn't change the word one bit. You stick with the word. Follow me as long as I'm following the word. But you stick with the word. If something happens to where I go one direction against the word or away from the word, which won't happen. But if it were to, you stick with the word. That's what's true. I think there's a lot of areas in our life where we need to grit our teeth and set our jaw and say, okay, Mr. Devil, do what you can. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to walk by faith. I remember so many years ago when I heard Brother Hagin say that he felt sorry for people that always had it easy because they never learned to develop in, the, in their faith. At that time, Lord, I was wanting to be one of those in life that things came easy to. But now I understand. Now I understand what he meant. Now I understand how the trying of our faith is more precious than gold and how learning to depend on you to honor your word, every bit of your word, is such a critical issue. But it's a joy, Lord. It's a joy. It's not necessarily fun or pleasant, but it's an honor to stand in faith when the devil is screaming that nothing seems to be working and things have gone too long. If it was going to work, it would have worked by now. What an honor to stand and rely upon your word and to say, I believe. Let us be the kind of people, Lord, that will stand strong and that will be bold to declare what your word says no matter what it looks like. You said in your word, Lord, that if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. That's not going to be us. We're going to be those that are strong in faith. Just like Abraham was, giving glory to God for the answer before we see it and fully being fully, fully persuaded that what you've promised, you're able also to perform. So, Mr. Devil, even as Brother Lake said many, many years ago concerning his son, we say, do what you can. We'll stand against you in faith 
every step of the way. And Father, we rejoice in the answer to our faith because you are faithful who promised. We know that there is due time coming for us where we will be exalted, where we will receive that which we believe for, where it will come into physical manifestation, all that you've said for us and to us. What a joyful thing, Lord. We don't wait for that day to come before we rejoice in it. We rejoice in it now. Knowing that we've done all to stand. Now we simply have to stand. What an honor. What an honor to stand upon the word of God. What an honor to have promises from the creator of the universe. Who cannot lie. What an honor it is. To stand strong in faith. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you that there is no problem, no sickness, no disease, no circumstance, no issue that's greater than your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail. And it will never fail us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. By the blood of Jesus, we are healed. Amen? No matter what it looks like, no matter what the doctor says, by the sacrifice of Jesus' blood, when he took stripes upon his back in Pilate's court, we were healed. Well, if we were healed, then I was. And if I was, then I am. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. Thank God for the healing power. That's in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us. We love you and we're standing with you. Amen.